Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And yes, before you ask, that one's going to get redone a little bit because we have you on an old video. It doesn't sound, doesn't look so good, but we'll fix that for next week. We just had to... <laughs> Just wanted to let you know. We were going to leave you in that state, that's all. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's exciting to see my face up there. How about that, yeah. Mm. Kind of interesting, kind of different, isn't it? So, well, anyway, yeah. um, I have a couple of announcements uh, to let people know about. First of all, this Thursday and Friday, there will be no shows. Louise and I are going away for a couple of days, so we're going to kind of take a hiatus from the show. But we'll be back again next Monday, so be prepared. It's going. There's going to be a quiz. No, not really. There's going to be a lot of fun to talk about from uh, that trip, I'm sure. Um, also, let's see, what else do we have coming up? Um, that's it for this week. This week is going to be a short week. It makes it nice and simple. Um, and I just, I don't know what uh, whether you have, wherever you are listening in the world, uh, if you're living in the United States, particularly in the northern part of the United States, you're probably experiencing something similar to what we're experiencing here uh, in the Northeast, in that there are a lot of... Um, there are a lot of, of forest fires going on in the West, and, and Louis just sent me a little thing saying that my sound is, is funky. Is my, is my sound still funky, Louis? It's suddenly getting better again. I don't know what it is. Well, it's it's trying to decide. So <laughs> we'll let it decide, and, and if it decides for, for the worst, let me know. Okay. So anyway, we have these forest fires going on in the Western part of the country, generating gigantic amounts of smoke, and that smoke has basically traveled east, you know, two to 3,000 miles and is now impacting us with some rather poor um, atmosphere conditions. So I figured, well, that is a, this actually a little bit of an interesting topic because we all know the basic idea of the law of attraction is that we attract into our lives everything that comes into our lives. Um, and one of the more interesting questions that comes along with that is, well, what about weather patterns? What about atmospheric patterns? Because, I mean, I think I could easily make the case that uh, the forest fires are going on because a large number of people have a vibration going on that way. But what about the people who didn't have a vibration going that way, who are simply living in the same area? <laughs> so I'm just kind of curious to think, well, I'm going to go to you first on this, Louis, because you always have a very clear idea about how all this stuff works out. But what, what's your take on that? I mean, can you, are we actually attracting for somebody else if we have a whole bunch of us all pulling in this, this uh, miserable air that we're getting right here in the Northeast? So, Walt, you know the idea of thoughts and trains. Oh, yes. But go so ahead and, and reiterate about what you want. It's a train going this way. If you've got a thought right. about what you don't want, train pulling it back again. So you've got this um, ding-dong battle. Now, when you've got a group of people, the one whose train is going the strongest is going to be the one that's going to win. Strongest defined as? Strongest uh, defined as the... You know, if you've got a train going this way of what you want, <clears throat> train going that way of what you don't want, the one that's the strongest one is the one who's going to land up winning. Okay. So, so that, that's... You, when you've got a group of people, you've got a group of thought forms, and right. the one that's the strongest is the one that's going to start manifesting. So, I mean, I can certainly see that argument. That makes a lot of sense. But there's also a flip side of that argument, which is, and, and I'll give you an example that came out of Louise's, my experience. Um, this is with weather, but it's not so much with um, poor air quality from, from forest fires. It's about a uh, a microburst, a, a, a small, isolated, but very intense thunderstorm 
that came through the area when we were living in Virginia. And what happened was it was, oh, I would say probably mid-June, early July, something like that. And there was a storm that was coming through. Now, this is uh, during a time when there is significant tornado activity in that part of the country. So we were originally wondering, is that what's going on? Is there you know, some sort of tornadic activity coming our way? And as it turned out, there was a storm that was coming directly at us. Um, and you know how these days you can go on to various weather sites. You can actually zoom in on the radar and see exactly where it's going. Well, this particular storm was headed exactly for our house. I mean, perfectly. It was right on line. And so I turned to Louise and I said, hey, Louise, um, we got to do our weather thing because we have a history of being able to influence weather. So we did. And we started doing our stuff to try to clear that weather out and make sure we weren't negatively impacted by the storm that was coming through. And when the storm came, I, I was at that point, I was very much experimenting with law of attraction. I was still testing things out in a big, big way. And so I figured, well, this is another test. I want to go outside and see what's happening. Not exactly the smartest thing to do in the middle of a major weather event, but nevertheless, that's what I decided to do. So I go outside and I'm looking around outside and sure enough, I mean, you can actually see all over the place. There's like really dark um, storm clouds. There's a lot of wind, which you get with a microburst. A microburst is kind of like a, a little mini hurricane that comes through really quickly, but can be quite devastating in a very small area. You could see that trees were waving all over the place except directly on our property. And I looked above and there was blue sky <laughs> right above our house. But everybody around us had these deep, dark clouds and the storm came through and it was just howling and there, there was rain pouring down. You could see the rain coming down through the atmosphere and our property was untouched. After the storm, Louise and I took a drive around the neighborhood and two houses or three houses to the left, two or three houses to the right were untouched. Everything else for like three miles around was trees down, limbs down, stuff all over the place, debris and everything, except in our one little area. So how does you mod how do you modify your train theory with that experience? <laughs> well, the individual has its own field and own ability to do things. Uh, so you have the general public that doesn't have that kind of knowledge or even the ability to perceive that they can change the weather. Mm -hmm. You do have the facility uh you do perceive the ability you have, from what you've said, had some kind of experience of being able to do it in the past. So you've built up an active vibration of what is possible for you in your life. Mm -hmm. So in in only your surrounding area, with your field and with your belief structure, you were able to to protect it. Um, one of the, the ways I do it, I don't know how you did it because you didn't explain it, but one of the ways I do it is I create a vortex around me. Hmm. that is constantly flowing and moving that protects me. So anything that hits it, any thought forms or anything that comes to it just gets bounced off this, this vortex <laughs> that shoots around me and it's cone shaped and the cone is on, on a point at the top and it comes down to like a skirt. Oh, okay. okay. And that's the way I visualize it. So if I'm ever wanting to shield myself, my car when I go away shopping or my house mm -hmm. or my daughter or, or whatever, I just visualize this. Uh, of course, my daughter will override it because she's got more powerful with her own belief structure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what other people will do. But you can still kind of put your shield on them because you're mm -hmm. still family and you still got this relationship <clears throat> going. And there's an agreement of allowment, allowing between family members and not allowing strongly between family members, depending on the relationship. Um, so, yeah, 
it, it's, it varies depending on the closer it gets to you, the more, the more you have the ability to affect it. And the further away mm-hmm. from you, the more the general thought processes will prevail yeah, um, I think in, that's in whatever true. direction. Right. Uh, Emery, do you have any uh, experience trying to influence weather patterns or like, you know, events that can touch a whole bunch of people? Well, we were in a situation when it was way before I uh, knew about law of attraction, but um, we had this horrendous rainstorm and thunderstorm and our street flooded and Mm -hmm. therefore our house flooded. And although that was awful, it was it kind of brought a lot of things that I'd been wanting then happened. Like I wanted new furniture. I wanted new floors. I wanted to decorate. (laughs) And I just kind of took, well, that was the opportunity then for us to do it. And it all was paid for. So so although it wasn't a pleasant experience, but then there was also good things in the fact that the street came together Mm -hmm. and people came together in the street that didn't normally meet. So we just took it. We just always used to call ourselves the luckiest unlucky people. (laughs) Because <laughs> these things would happen, but we would try and make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how we perceived it. So, yeah, I completely agree with Louis. I think there is a stronger collective. And I think the voting system so it shows out because we don't all vote the same person. But when only one person gets in, you know, it's, it's the strength of that, isn't it? But, well, yeah, it's a weighted system, really. It's weighted yeah. voting. Because not everybody gets an equal vote because it depends on how high they are up in, into the vortex if they're you know, or if they're in the vortex rather than out of the vortex. If they're in the vortex, they're both yeah. going to count for more, really, in, in the sense of a voting model. So just interesting. Um, oh, and Louis, you were asking what my method is. My method, I, I don't actually use a, a vortex. I, I, I just use a, an image of I, no matter what weather I want to influence, doesn't matter whether it's winter, summer, fall, spring, doesn't make any difference. I always use the same scene, and that scene is um, – very moderate, comfortable temperatures, blue sky, sun, little puffy white clouds, you know, not humid, very comfortable, dry weather. Basically my favorite weather, my favorite kind of, of day to be outside. And when I focus on that with intent and belief and um, trust that what I'm going to get is going to be closer to what I have in mind, then it works. I mean, it, it pays off almost every time. Where I where I trip up is when I when I think to myself, "Well, this kind this couldn't possibly work. This this situation is so bad right now. Nothing that's going to affect it." And of course, nothing does. That's the way that works. Um, but on those occasions where I've been able to get myself to really believe, I've had some really interesting results, really fascinating mm-hmm. results. Um, one of my favorite is a story that I've told before here on the show, where um, I, I like to go walking. Um, as often as I can. I try to go every day, but uh, during gardening season, that doesn't work too well. But anyway, I try to get out as much as I can. And my walk is about two miles out, two miles back. It's about a four-mile walk. And on this one particular day, I got out there, and it was it was overcast and not, not a really pleasant day. It wasn't bad. It wasn't raining or anything like that. But it was it was kind of on the cold side, a little bit uh, um, not cold, but just you know a little bit of a chill in the air kind of a thing. And I was thinking, this would be really nice if it would be a really nice day. I wonder if I can just clear the sky. I'd like to just turn that sky blue. And I'm just going to use this as a test. And I really threw myself into it. For the first two miles, I just, I, I didn't even look up at the sky. I'm just focused on, you know, blue sky, comfortable temperatures, sun, little puppy clouds, all, all my little scene, right? And I got to the end of the two miles and I looked up and it was all gray. And I said, oh, darn. 
Well, it didn't work. And then I turned around, and behind me, the entire sky was blue. Blue. <laughs> the line was directly above my head. <laughs> you know, you know. Well, listening to your story, you know what I was thinking all the way through. What was that? Richard Bach illusions. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know where you got that from. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That did influence me that day. It absolutely mm. did. Yeah, and and I was comparing myself uh, for. We, we have actually done a, a show or two on that particular book, but for those people who don't know the book, um, there's a particular uh, chapter where the two main characters are engaged in a, a discussion about controlling weather. And, and uh, the student asks the teacher, how do you uh, do it? And the teacher describes and, and uh, the student asks for a demonstration. So the teacher says, we'll pick a cloud. And, and the student picks the biggest, meanest, blackest cloud he can possibly see. <laughs> and the teacher says, do you hate me or something? <laughs> and, then he, and then he turns around and he says, which cloud did you want which me to, cloud to remove? Yeah. And yeah. it's completely it's gone. gone. <laughs> and he's just like, huh? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of that day. You're right. Exactly yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it was fun to yeah. reproduce my own version of it, I have to say. And, and that's, that's one of many. I've had a lot of experiences. Um, like you, Anne-Marie, I had a situation before I learned about Law of Attraction. Um, my wife and I had just met. We were going to visit my parents, who at that point um, were living and were living on a lake in Virginia, um, a beautiful lake called Smith Mountain Lake, absolutely gorgeous, um, great for all kinds of water activities and so forth. And on the way... I, I, are getting ready to to do the drive down. It's a long drive. It's like a 12-hour drive, so it's it's a long trip. But getting ready to do that trip, we were checking the weather, and there was a hurricane coming up um, from the Florida area, and it was it was aiming directly where we were going. It was it was targeting directly to that lake. And like I said, I didn't know anything about the law of attraction, but we needed that vacation. We were getting ready to get married. We were wiped out. We needed to have a really good week of just rest and relaxation. And so out of pure desperation, I just determined out loud, no, that hurricane is not going to get in our way. We're going to have a great vacation. Hmm. And so we got in the car, we headed south. When we got there, we found that the, the weather forecast, as often happens with hurricanes, had changed. The hurricane was hovering over South Carolina and wasn't going anywhere. And it stayed there the entire week. And then when we drove back north, it followed us north. <laughs> Interesting. And every time I tell that story, I always apologize to the people in South Carolina who actually had to endure that hurricane when it was just drenching them for like a full week. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I would have done it differently if I'd understood. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sure the gardens appreciate that's it. some power, Waltz. <laughs> I'm. For years, I didn't even think that it was me. Like I said, I didn't know about the law of attraction. I had never heard of the term. And it wasn't until I learned about LOA and Louise pointed out to me, you know, you use that. And I said, what do you mean? She said, back in 99 when you got rid of the hurricane. I said, oh, yeah. How did I do that? <laughs> it was that kind of an experience. How did I do that? <laughs> well, well, today we, we went to the lavender fields now it was overcast when we left and we mm -hmm. love going there every year to take photos etc and david strickles just liked our photos i think oh, nice. um, on facebook so <clears throat> um 
you know, we arrived there and, you know, there was still a bit of a cast. And then as soon as we got out into the field, the sun came out and it was glorious. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. When we left, um, it was still glorious. So the way I try to do it now is, is not so much to change the weather, but to find um, a natural, organic way to coincide of getting what I want, where every all, all the pieces fit together and just work. So it's not like me needing to manipulate anything. I'm just right time, right place, just happens to fit mm -hmm. into all the different places, you know, the coordination of the picking up. Uh, Eloise's little friend, my younger daughter's friend, etc., and dropping her off and everything. It's just, everything just seems to come together at a natural uh, progression and thing. And I just love it. It's just so <laughs> absolutely amazing because there's less and less effort of wanting to try and get the weather to change or this or that. You're just focused in your mind. You've got this kind of, if not that, something better <clears throat> mentality is always going on inside you. If not that, something better. If not that, something better. And it's kind of always working out better and better and better. And things mm -hmm. are just, you know, coalescing to come together um, with the cooperative components of the universe. And I don't know how to explain it, but that's kind of the best I can do. <laughs> that, that's a good explanation. And, and I love the <laughs> fact that you're doing it with such a, with, with no resistance and, and not trying to make things happen, which, by the way, is mm -hmm. diametrically the opposite of Louise and I. We constantly are manipulating the weather and we're very proud of it. <laughs> So I'm just saying there are a couple ways to do this thing. But nevertheless, <laughs> yours is the easier way. Yours is well, definitely the, you know, the low energy way. It's easy. I, well, you need to come to the UK and just sort our weather out, please. I need a summer. <laughs> <laughs> Anne-Marie, I don't have any problem with the weather here. What's well, your problem? <laughs> <laughs> It's true. The weather is whatever you're going to make it to be. I mean, I'll give you another example. Um, just outside of Washington, D.C. is a little town called Alexandria on the south side of the town, on the south side of the city. And there was one day when we were living in Virginia that Louise and I decided to go to Alexandria for the day. It was a weekend. It was, again, a situation where we needed to get away for a bit, just, just have a day trip, just to get away from all the pressures and so forth. So we got in the car, and when we got in the car, the weather forecast was saying rain. Rain where we lived, rain in Alexandria, rain, rain in D.C., rain along the highway. It was going to be rain, 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 rain. And so we looked at each other, and we said, let's go anyway. Let's see if we can influence the weather. We've done that in the past. Not 100% of the time, but we've done it. So, okay, we get in the car. Louise was actually a little bit stronger that day. My, my faith was a little bit on the weak side that day, but hers was pretty strong. So she was doing... Uh, most of the heavy lifting, shall we say. But she was convinced it was going to work out okay. So we got on the highway, and it's about a, well, I don't know. It depends on when, when you're on that highway, because it's a very, very busy highway most of the time. But on that particular weekend, it was relatively not busy, so it was probably a, an hour trip. If it's a bad day, it'll be in two and a half hours. But that day was an hour trip. We got about halfway there, and... Nothing had really changed. The, the weather didn't look any better. The forecast wasn't looking better. The sky didn't look any better. My faith was dropping through the floor. And Louise says, no, no, it's going to be fine. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll ride on your faith for a bit because mine isn't doing too well right now. To get to the Beltway, there's a, a highway Beltway that goes around D.C. and take the Beltway south heading down to Alexandria. And as we come around the curve where you can start getting to Alexandria, you see there's this little opening in the clouds right above the city, right above the town. I'm, I'm not sure if Alexandria is a city or a town. I think it's a small city, um, but right above the city. And as we 
get off the highway, of course, there's a very extensive highway system to get in there because this is TC. But as we get off the highway and come into the town, right over the main street that we're going to do all of our shopping and visiting on is the opening. In other words, right above us, it was blue sky. Everything else was cloudy and rainy and everything else, but there was beautiful weather right there. We got there. Of course, nobody was there because they thought the weather was going to be bad. So we had easy parking. That was easy. Um, got out onto the street, went off to get some ice cream. Nobody was in line for ice cream because we were the only ones there. Had a wonderful time. We spent the entire afternoon there in this gorgeous weather. People started to show up. And around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, we decided we were done. So went back to the car. As soon as we got back to the car, it started pouring rain. And then we drove home in the rain. So, I mean, that's about as controlled as you're going to get. I, think. <laughs> I actually had a similar thing on my wedding day. It was oh, really? pouring. We woke, yeah, we woke up. It was pouring with rain. It was gray. It was a real grotty day. And I arrived at the church. I had the frollies over me with my big frock. Um, but I just knew that I was going to have photos outside the church. And literally sort of coming towards the end of the ceremony and suddenly the sun was coming through the windows and you could see my photographer going, hurry up, hurry oh, yeah. up. <laughs> and literally we went, out- <laughs> we went outside. It was just beautiful sunshine. You would never know there was any drops of rain. We got in the car, got to the hotel, poured down. And it was just perfect. We got our photos outside. I just knew that was going to happen again. Didn't know about law of attraction. But I had this vision in my head. And obviously, I truly believed because that's what happened. Ah, yeah. See, the important thing about weather or anything that you want to achieve is to be focusing on what you want and not what you don't want. You say, I don't want the rain. I don't want the rain is not the way to go about it. No, that doesn't work very well. I want the clear sky. I want the clear sky (laughs) is the way to go about it. Um, and once you get that right, everything starts falling into place. That's right. And and when you end up doing it by accident, like your story, San Marie, yours were kind of by accident. You didn't really know LOA. My earlier cases were also by accident. I think what that really is, that, that by accident, is us unwittingly tapping into universal law. We didn't know how it worked. We couldn't have rationally, consciously expressed it. But I think we were kind of getting a sense of it in a way that perhaps we hadn't done before. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't really thought of it that, but there's so many synchronicities in life. Like, I remember mm-hmm. driving past this street I now live in and thinking, oh, I would love to live in those houses. I bet life's perfect if you live in one of those houses. And here <laughs> I am living here, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All these little things that happen. Yep. Like, I wanted to get a particular job. I wanted to get a particular promotion, and they happened. So, yeah, it must have been there subconsciously, mm. or it was just starting. <clears throat> Which raises but an isn't it so much. Oh, go ahead. Isn't it so much more delicious doing it consciously? Yes, it's so fun. <laughs> so fun, because I was, like yourself, I took myself for a walk around the fields today, and as I was walking around the fields, I was thinking, this is my mind movie. There's me sort of thinking and I'm going to be living near the countryside, but actually I've got these fields that I didn't really take much notice of. And I was walking around to local park, turned to left, around these fields. I'm like, oh, here's my my movie. I'm here. <laughs> and that just felt amazing. That's cool when it plays out like that and you're getting what you're asking for. And you're, and you're noticing. That's the other part about it. Because it's so easy to be in that mm. that place where you got there by accident and you didn't notice. I didn't notice that I moved the hurricane. Never occurred to me. 
until my wife pointed out some um, nine, ten years later. I, <laughs> I just said I was oblivious. But when you know and when you recognize and, and you've noticed, that's when it's cool. That's As Abram all. says, it's so much more delicious. Yeah, it's, it's more delicious. It really is more delicious. It's it, it, and it's it, intriguing is the best word I can think of. It seems inferior to what it really is to use that word. It, it's exciting, I guess. That isn't quite what I have in mind either. But it, it's just it, it just grabs my attention whenever through a conscious process, a deliberate process, I end up getting what I asked for. It's almost like I'm stunned. Like, wow, what just happened? That's that's the feeling. Behind and, it. and and that stunnedness is what's going to slow you down getting your next one. Well, that's true. But, I, you know, I work one, yeah. of the, one step but at you, a time. You understand that, but I don't know if all the listeners... <laughs> it's a good point. It's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. I don't think it's a good one to get hung up on, but, uh, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> mm. when, when it's the next natural step, then it's easy for you to perform and get whatever you want to. But mm. when it's like, oh, such a big leap, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get it, and, and all those kind of thoughts that go in your head then you're, you're pushing it away while you're trying to get to it. Right. And, of course, the risk with... The and that's what that Dan is, says, isn't it? Well, what's, what's... What was that, Emery? Sorry, I was just saying that's exactly what Dan Mangana says, isn't it, with his micro-steps, micro-shifts. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. That's what micro-shifting micro is all about. Mm. Yeah, taking one little step at a time and, yeah. and making it believable every step of the way. Yeah, so those baby steps make it so much easier. Um, and what I was going to say is that that's the big risk with the approach that Louise and I take because when we go after it, you know, we're, we're going to manipulate, we're going to make it happen in a big way. We're just as liable to put up a whole bunch of resistance at the same time mm. just because we've got this huge amount of energy we're building up. Um, so we've learned to be a lot more careful. <laughs> we've learned to be a lot more cautious about, okay, what is it we're doing here? Um, but we still try to manipulate. <laughs> what can I say? That's the honest truth. <laughs> You're a true American. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm a real live nephew of my Uncle Sam. That's <laughs> 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 by the way, it's true. I actually, I am actually descended from Uncle Sam. It's a weird thing. Are you? I really am. Yeah, yeah. The man who was uh, who was the original Uncle Sam. Uh, this was back in the War of 1812, actually. Which was um, the the war that followed our American Revolution against the, uh, the British occupiers? Um, the War of 1812 was sort of a follow-up to that. And during that war, my great 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 uncle—I'm not sure how many greats back—was uh, working for the U.S. government as a meat inspector. He worked in a factory in uh, Troy, New York, and he was inspecting meat for the army. In other words, this was meat that was going to be distributed to troops. And his name was Sam Wilson. It got around that um, he had he had a, a U.S. scam because he was stamping all, all the meat packages. And it got around that the U.S. stood for Uncle Sam because that was Uncle Sam's mark that the meat was okay. And that became the first official time that Uncle Sam was identified with the United States. Wow. <laughs> and he's... He's, I don't know how many greats, but he's like, you know, seven or eight greats behind me. <laughs> well, do you remember the TV series, A Man from Uncle? Oh, yes. I remember that one. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's where I got the idea of Uncle Sam from. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> <That> TV series. <laughs> yep. Napoleon Solo. 
<laughs> that was a campy show, really campy. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, I'd never seen TV before, and we went to Nelspreet now and again, which is a town next to the town I lived in, and uh, we we saw it through somebody's window now and again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it was a long story. We actually, you know, it was very difficult to see a TV. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't understand that. There were no computers, no TVs when I was young. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, well... That's that's true. That's something that uh, younger generations have a little trouble with understanding what it was like to grow up without a computer, which we did. Yeah, there was just, no such thing. Didn't exist. Didn't exist. Well, it existed. It's just that it occupied a room about five stories high. That's right. My dad had one in his office, and only when I was about twelve, you know. And it was literally the size of a whole, he had to have a whole office and he had to have a whole office cooled and it was this huge drum right. you put in that IBM drum, you know. I think um, it was in, but, in yeah. the 19, late 1940s when the first computers were being invented, uh, there was a political scientist at the time who said that the computer would never need, I'm sorry, the world would never need more than 12 computers. <laughs> <laughs> I was fascinated at my dad's work and talking about the subject. Not very LOA, but um, the guy had an IBM PC, one of the first ones. Mm, my yes. dad said, you see this little thing here? It's bigger than that huge one in the office right. over there. <laughs> it's more That's powerful right. than that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The history of computing is, is really quite fascinating. And, and I have to say, I like the fact that the world of movies have decided to start picking up some of those stories. So we're, we're getting some of the stories of what happened during the earliest stages of the computing age. And it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see it playing out on screen, even if half the time it's inaccurate. I don't care about that. It's just so fascinating. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this whole topic of, uh, of influencing weather, and of course it's not the only thing that we can learn to influence, but anything that has a large mass component to it, can be a little bit confusing, so I'm glad we kind of talked about how how to kind of understand and look at that. Um, I normally try to stay away from anything having to do with politics or anything like that, but I'm going to just touch on it, just kind of on the edge for a moment here, because people often want to know, regardless of whatever their particular belief is, whether they're left-wing, right-wing, middle-of-the-road, whatever, um, they usually have some main issue that they're hoping they can get everybody else to be on board with so that that can be pushed through and that becomes the law of the land and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, one of the things that people often want to do and want to know is, well, how can I use the law of attraction to get my issue passed, to get my 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 pet position you know, to take over the earth, so to speak? Um, and that's about as close to the politics as I want to get with it, but <laughs> just that close... What would be your answer to that, Louis? How how do you actually how do you influence the, the masses to adopt my viewpoint, or is it even a good idea? It's it's a very simple answer. Um, why would I want to restrict other people's freedom to choose? <laughs> I, like I wouldn't that. even dream of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would do completely the opposite. I'd make sure they have the right to choose. <clears throat> Goes back to the COVID scenario, which I said I think maybe last week where bunch of moms got together and uh, I was saying that I was anti-vax and oh yes I was saying I really am uh, pro-vax and I said well yeah I'm so happy you're pro-vax and all the rest of it isn't it nice to have the freedom to choose to be vaccinated 
you know, I just have a problem when people choose to push their belief structures and their ideas onto other people and start enforcing it with passports and et cetera, et cetera, and restrictions. I said, that's where I have a problem. I don't have any problem with you choosing what you want. <laughs> so do you want to dare to dip a toe into this before we, we leave the political realm? Because we don't want to get deep into politics, but Anne-Marie, I thought you'd get a chance to weigh in on that. Uh. I, th- I think if, if you've got that, you've got that need and you're wanting it and you're focusing on it rather than just l- trusting and letting it be. So you've got that need. It's, it's down the spiral, um, yeah. thought, thought process. Yes. So it's, it's like you say, it's, it's trying to influence others. It's something you have to have, which that's not how it works. So, so Amory's pointing out something which I will term in my, my, my words. You're pointing out the idea that you fall apart and everything falls apart once you start thinking other people and other things are broken. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Nice. That's exactly what happens. Because you're not seeing everything as perfect. Mm-hmm. Because everything is, you came to this world to play with contrast and then you start bitching you're playing with contrast. I'm <laughs> playing the way you want them to play the contrast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a joke. It's just funny. You're not getting it. You're falling. You're falling. Um, the whole scenario is falling apart as soon as you believe things, people, places are broken. Somebody recently asked me. But there's none uh, of that appreciation, is there? Oh no, that's true. Appreciation of all the effort it took to get it to that broken place. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's exactly what happened. Mm. Somebody recently asked me. Uh, there, there were. Um, uh, one of the people who are opposed to climate change, to, to global warming, that sort of thing. And uh, they were asking me, you know, well, you know, what's going on with the forest fires and all this other stuff, you know, just goes to show, you know, global warming was correct. And my reply was, well, it just goes to show me a whole bunch of people were focused on global warming. And so they made global warming happen. And she said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> And you'll get another study that'll say completely the opposite. And That's you'll right. say, look, yeah. look. <laughs> so, yeah, you get exactly what you want. Just be careful you know what you want. <laughs> you know, there could be people on this planet that are so focused on the world being brokered global warmingly that they will only experience and see that information for the feeling feeding into them. You'll oh, yeah. get somebody who's completely the opposite and will get only the information that the world's healing and, and coming together, feeding into them. And then from the one perception, it's broken. From the other perception, it's starting to heal and everything's going well. And it's the same world. Mm-hmm. So what is, mm-hmm. what is going on is the psychological drama that goes on in somebody's head. Or sometimes the news factor. media. You're not and, and, able to see things as they are. That's right. And I'll give you an example that was very recent here in the in the United States. About uh, two months ago, um, there was another cycle where there was um, there were fires going on in California, and they were destroying a lot of acreage. There were homes being destroyed, and so on and so forth. And then a day came where, if you looked at the news, the news was just full of the headlines about all this stuff going on. But then you went and looked at an actual weather forecast through, you know, weather.com or AccuWeather or one of these weather websites. And the weather was clear. There were no, there was, there was no actual fire activity going on in California. They'd had rain. 
the fire's been put out, but the headlines hadn't caught up with it yet. So you had two different realities going on. If you were paying attention to the headlines, you would have been convinced that all this stuff was still going on in California, and it wasn't. Hmm. That's the same here with our weather system. We were supposed to all be flooded and awful storms and on weather warnings and events were being cancelled. And I know it was like in that in some places, we hardly had any rain. And mm-hmm. we were supposed to be right under that, but not a drop. Amazing. It's amazing what the power of... that. There's, there's an example of, of how the power of the collective can kind of come together for good or for ill. You can look at it either way you want to. But it comes together and produces a result that another part of the collective doesn't experience. Mm. That's really what we're describing right here. One one collective area had this experience, and another collective area had that experience, and they were both about the same place and the same time, but they had two different experiences entirely. <laughs> Richard Buck uh, illusions perception, that, use it or lose it. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, perspective. Well. Actually, in his case, perception pretty much was the same thing yeah. as perspective. They, mm-hmm. he, he used the two, two words pretty much interchangeably, and that's yeah, that's exactly it. Have you, by the way, Emory, have you ever read that book, Illusions, by Richard Bach, that we've been referring to here? No, I've not heard of it. Oh, you gotta gotta read that one. Um, Bach was the one who wrote the book Jonathan Livingston Siegel, if you remember that one. Um, but uh, <laughs> Illusions, in our opinion, is the best one, and it is. It was written in the 1970s, early 70s. And it way predates any of the references to law of attraction that became very popular many years later, but it describes law of attraction to a T and it's written in a fiction format. It's not, it's not like, uh, here's a how to on how law of attraction works. It's yeah. a story. It's a story and that when you that finish the story, the thing that goes through, when you finish the story, Amory, the thing that goes through your head, sorry, well, um, very clearly is was this true or wasn't it? Yes. It really happened to Richard or not? Because it, you know, he nailed that book. He just nailed. He it really completely. did. In fact, I remember having a conversation on that very question: Did it really? Did it really happen? Did that? Did Richard really exist? And did he really experience that? Of course, the author is also named Richard, so you kind of associate him with the character in the mm. book. Um, but I, I actually had a contact from a woman about. Four or five years after that book came out, I don't even remember how she got in touch with me. Again, this was the pre-computer era. There was no Facebook. There wasn't like social media or anything like that. Somehow, we connected over the fact that we both had read this astonishing book, and we were trying to answer that exact question. Did that really happen? Could that really happen? And we were were scratching our heads saying, I don't know. Maybe. Could it? I don't see how. (laughs) Now, that's a good book. It is a good book. It's a very short book, Isn't Emory. It? It's very easy to read. Very easy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you really want to, you can read that in an evening. I mean, you can stretch uh-huh. it out over a few days if you wanted to. But, uh, yeah, it's a very light read, very easy read. and But it's yeah. a classic you will take to your grave. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I love books wonderful. like that. Man. Yeah. Richard Bach's Illusions is a wonderful book. So, yeah. So what are some other examples of, of the madness of crowds? <laughs> Where crowd activity produces one result or another result or whatever, regardless of what their intention was, their overall pro- product was pretty obvious because of their thoughts and their behaviors. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that these three people here don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about collectors. 
<laughs> I live in my own world, world. <laughs> Don't know which one you live in. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that, that's another illusion concept, by the way. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I, I really don't get involved with the outer world much, and uh, the way I cut myself off is mostly by not looking at too much news. Mm. And when I do, and it gets fed to me usually through other people, right. I'm usually laughing myself silly. <laughs> 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 what have I done now? Oh, my God, this is rude. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I can't, I can't take these things too seriously. <laughs> Um, you'll leave it to those who really want to fight that corner. They'll, they'll take it seriously and they'll run with it. Um, and they will, they will get old quickly. But, um, no, I didn't say that. Um, (laughs) Too late. Can't take it back. (laughs) Oh, watch the gray hairs grow quickly. (laughs) Well, I've got plenty to spare. Take one of mine. No problem. (laughs) You know, I'm here again next week. But but it does remind me, Anne Marie, of, of of what the we talked about in Tyre, where it really comes down to how are you feeling about the stuff that you don't like in life, right? Where the Tyre practice is all about trying to appreciate stuff that rubs you the wrong way. And now Louis yeah. has you know the, the absolutely effective method of just laughing at all of it, which is a very effective <laughs> way to deal with. It. <laughs> um, but, but I I, I do oh, go ahead. No, I should say, but that's what I do know is if if something crops up, I'm always like, right, okay, where's the appreciation in this? Or mm-hmm. you know, I might swear a few times and just like get annoyed, but then I'm like, okay, what 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 can I appreciate about this? Okay, this is annoying me, but actually, it's flattering that somebody thinks I can help them, or just trying to find some good in it. And it's not easy, but like I said, even with the flood, we were kind of doing that back then. It's like, okay, this is a really horrible situation, but mm-hmm. it's brought the street together and we're, right. we're going to get the floors that we couldn't afford. We're going to get brand new sofas that match the new decor. And, it, you know, we just try and yeah. take the best out of things and have that appreciation out of these really sort of horrible situations. And sometimes that's really difficult. Mm-hmm. I get that, but... Um, it's, it's kind of how I try to view it. And I don't, sometimes it can take me a while to get to that whole appreciation thing because I'm quite happy mm-hmm. being there in my own pretty party. But um, it doesn't last for long. And then I but find it's something. It's my party and I'm pretty <laughs> <party>. <laughs> <laughs> Little so, pretty party so for one. Lost... <laughs> so, Amory, last week your takeaway, if I'm correct, was to focus on your own happiness. Yes. And I took... Which is the greatest think, gift you can give everybody else. So <laughs> how, how, how did your week go with that kind of concept rolling around Ooh. your head? Oh, good question. It went okay, actually. Um, I had a good week. Um, had some fun stuff happen. And just the way I kind of equate it is to work is just trying to have more fun with my role. And not see it as like, oh, God, I've got to go to work. It's much like David's been saying and, you know, and having that appreciation for the system we've come into. So trying to enjoy my job and all these people are like coming to me and I'm having fun interaction with them. And they might be getting stressed with other people and they might be moaning about something. But actually, after our conversation, we just have some fun with it. So that's kind of what I've had. And just like having more fun with my children. 
and we had a situation we had a situation today it's just like um we have no electronic sundays so no phones mm-hmm. no ipads or anything and the kids have got kindles i'm coming to live and with you on the- sunday <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the wine in the fridge, Louis. Feel free. <laughs> wine instead of, and, uh, instead of uh, electronics, I think I can do. <laughs> I, know, it's I can play that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Anne-Marie's happiness. <laughs> mm. um, but anyway, uh, the little one, she's only five, but she hid the electronics. Well, they're two sort of like iPads that she hid them. And we've not been able to find them for like five or six months. <laughs> So like, <laughs> so um. So it's been Sunday every I day. Said to my, <laughs> oh, that's mum. Can I have your phone? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, we had some fun with that. I was saying to my little girl. Okay, I said to my eldest one. She was on about. She really wanted her pad. I was like, fine. We'll ask the universe. Focus on finding it. And literally today, my little one went into the dining room. She went under the table and she'd seen that she'd put it under the sewing that's still a pile of the last six months that needs to be doing. There with her pads. And she kept going, look, mum, I found them. And I was going, that's what the universe does, kid. And we were just Mm -hmm. trying to make fun of things. So, yeah, we've had a lot of fun and a lot of happiness. Hmm. As you were describing that, I was was brought to mind an experience Louise and I had. Um, when we went to the beach on Saturday, um, after the day at the beach, we decided to get some ice cream. We went to an ice cream stand and there's a mom there with the father and there were probably four or five kids and I'm not sure they were all her own kids. They may have been, they may not, maybe they were adopted. I'm not sure, but it was clear that she was kind of at a rope's end because they were just loaded with energy. They were running all over the place and you can tell she was embarrassed by the whole thing. Now, the kids weren't actually causing anybody any problems at all. It was more of the mom reacting to what was going on. Um, but you can tell she was just, her, her teeth were on edge. It was that kind of a situation. So I was thinking, what can I do to help her kind of detune that situation? And I thought of something that I turned to her and I said, wasn't it great to have that much energy when you were that young? And she said, oh, yes. <laughs> you can just, just all the release coming out of her as she said that. And then she made more comment about that. I think she actually commented that uh, some 10 minutes before they just had some cake. So that explained where a lot of the energy was coming from. And, and so that led to my next comment was, isn't it interesting how we decide to give them sugar <laughs> when they have that much energy? She says, I know. <laughs> but it the situation for her. It diffused it completely so that she was just, you know, not having a, a bad experience. She was now seeing it from a more positive outlook. I, um, well, Walt, I would have said something very similar. I would have said, uh, which type of children would you prefer? <laughs> the, the, uh, the obedient, uh, quiet, uh, do mm-hmm. what I say type child or the one who's full of energy and running around doing their own stuff. <laughs> I, I could just anticipate her answer. It would have been something like... Do I get two choices on this one? <laughs> I definitely would fall in one camp rather than the other with that one. But, yeah, I can understand some parents would be saying, yeah, yeah I want the first. <laughs> yeah, take the first one, right. For only 10 minutes, but, you know. <laughs> I always say about my children is the things that drive me crazy are the things that I love the most. It's their tenacity, it's their strength, it's their views, and their fun. But that's also what drives me completely bonkers. 
Yes, it's almost like they're testing you, isn't it? Like they're 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 it's, mm. it's a it's instead of like a well with, with tired we have a check-in process, right? It isn't so much a check-in as it's a check with the child's checking with you. Okay, mom, how are you doing on your vibration right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I notice that. I notice that a lot. So it's very we, valuable, Walt, to use the word vibration mm. for the very simple reason it's all inclusive. It includes your mental, your physical, your emotional. Um, yeah, all dimensions, doesn't matter what it is, the word vibration covers all of it. Mm-hmm. So you're, mm-hmm. now, you're now talking to the whole of them, right. not talking to a, any broken up segment which you might be honing in on. You're now saying, what's your vibration? How does it feel, vibration, at the moment? Where, where you are, vibration. And then you're also talking v- emotional scale, where you are on the scale, etc. Um, and once you're there, you start being able to be clear of what your next step is. Because I like breaking it down. Oh, I'm frustrated. Ooh, let's go to I don't care. <laughs> Ooh, I don't care. Ooh, let's go to hope. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm on a really far... <laughs> Depressed, I'm depressed. Let's go to revenge. <laughs> you know, it's so cool. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not sure I want to be around Louis. To be perfectly honest, we could be a little bit dangerous. <laughs> oh yes, I'm very dangerous. I told somebody I'm probably the most dangerous person you've ever met. Ooh. So my friend oh. says to me, "What? What are you talking about? I'm talking rubbish." I said to him, I, I help people change their thinking. There's nothing more dangerous than that. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Thank God for that kind of danger, I'll tell you. It's the best kind. It depends which way it's going. <laughs> yeah. You know these fake gurus that are telling you to jump off a cliff? You know, it depends which way you're going. <laughs> <laughs> I think that depends on more about which gurus you're paying attention to. I mean, that's that, maybe that's just me, but... <laughs> I mean, some gurus, I'll, I'll say you first. <laughs> I mean, <I> just, <laughs> Lead the way. <laughs> That's right. Show me how it's done. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's an interesting ride to interact with human beings. But it's, it's something I've been kind of practicing lately, kind of playing with. How can I help influence somebody? Um, particularly somebody who's struggling, and you can tell that they're struggling. How can I influence them, help them do that release? They don't even have to know how release works or what it accomplishes. Just can I help them to do that release? Um, and it almost invariably is is accompanied with a smile when they are able to release. So that that's always a, a rewarding thing. So Walt, Walt, what I do if I see somebody who's struggling, I immediately go to the emotional guidance scale, like say mm-hmm. they're in rage or frustration or wherever they are mm-hmm. and i say okay what's the next one up okay mm-hmm. let's focus on that kind of vibration and and see where we go from there so mm-hmm. i really use that scale to help me you like that a lot um, i aim just getting them a little bit further from where they are so not taking them some big leap somewhere else but just a little bit further and uh, that's what abram does every time when they get somebody in the chair they can see where they are sure. and they can see that they are ready to move to the next vibration so they bring mm-hmm. them out of the audience based on that principle. Oh, yes. Where they are and how, how eager they are to go into the next vibrational level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're always Which working with Which is fascinating. It is fascinating. They're, well, first of all, it shows how in touch they are. They can just exactly. grab that person instantly. Uh-huh. Um, but secondly, it shows the power of what it is that they're teaching. Because when you can see it happen in somebody who's right teetering on that edge, so you know you're gonna, going to get a quick result, 
it kind of reinforces for you, oh, yeah, I can get quick results with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if we've got and some sort of business point out, the last 35 years. That's right, yeah. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> same over and over again. Slight variances, that's it. Yes. What's it they say? Um, it's probably 40 it? years now, actually. Well, Yeah, it probably is. But, but what is it they always say? They, they, they say this at, at almost every workshop. It, it's like... Um, we, we know what all the questions are and the answer is always the same, something along that line. I can't remember how they phrase that. <clears throat> that's the gist well, of the you've idea. You've got numerous different questions, but the answer is always the same, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I so remember one guy sitting the in the answer. seat and said, uh, the guy sitting in the seat and said, I know what the answer is. <laughs> you've already taught me what the answer is. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm still struggling <laughs> with this. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's so true, though. Well, hey, I'm not complaining about it. It's given me a nine-year run talking about it here on LOA today. So, you know, more power to all the different varieties of ways to understand that one basic answer. <laughs> Do you know what I love? The, there was an AA guy sat in the seat, and, uh, you know, there's 12 steps to the um, Alcohol Anonymous uh, training. Right. And uh, the guy was giving some of the steps, and Abram said, oh, I wouldn't quite put it like that. Then Abram literally broke down all the 12 steps and re- reworded oh, really? them. No kidding. So you've got a complete Abram Hicks 12-step. Oh, I'd like, like to see that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Is that a YouTube really, video? Really cool. Yeah, somewhere, I don't know. You'd probably just be able to type AA yeah, um, Abram Hicks, and it'll pop up. But it was quite a long one because they literally dug into the wording. He said, what's the wording of number one? And then broke it down. What's wording number two? I'd say it this way. What's wording number three? It broke. Um, it was really cool. I'm going to pull that out. Louise would like yeah. that one from her therapeutic background as a therapist. Mm. She, you know, she dealt with AA people all the time. So, yeah. Well, actually, lots of 12-step programs. But, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> so, all right. Um, let's see. What else can we bring in in the last few minutes to kind of uh, – ties all this together because it's been an interesting exploration of what happens with the delusion of masses, (laughs) the ability of uh, the masses to pull in one direction or pull in another direction. And then to have an individual come along and just slice it down the middle and just take his own little piece. And, you know, the rest of them just kind of keep going their own merry way. It's a fascinating subject, no matter how you look at it. Well, all right, I'm going to go to a little bit of a darker side. There are people in wartime. There's a dark side. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Didn't you get the memo? Must <laughs> have missed that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there is a dark side. <laughs> no, but the, during uh, during wartime, uh, there are always people in war zones who come out of it unscathed. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, massive battles happening all around them, and their house is the only one that remains untouched. Now, it doesn't get a whole lot of attention. The war films don't really spend a lot of time on that. But that is a fairly common theme. It happens a lot. It and is. It, it, it kind of raises the question. I know a specific I story. Yeah. Do you really? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, what's the yeah. story? Tell us the story. <clears throat> well, this lady and her husband were living in this kind of like mansion on a hill. And the whole war destroyed everything around them. And then the enemy took over. And they took over their house. But they... They, they happened to land up with, a, with a, a leader of the group who was happy to employ them and, and let them stay there and continue. 
So they went through the whole war and the whole shift and the shift back again and stayed in their own house the whole way through. And with shells hitting and bombing around them, but they they were never hit that house the whole way through. That's crazy. But my point was... And they came out of it on on the other side that they started and all alive. (laughs) Which is really something, yeah. (laughs) And, And having, you know, being occupied by the enemy force. But I guess the point, the reason I brought the whole thing up is that that story, that kind of story has happened a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you look for it, you can find it documented in a number of different books, a number of different sources. Why is it that we never really noticed that as a collective? I mean, until Law of Attraction came along, I don't think most people even noticed that that was a pattern. Why because history that? is written by the victors. Well, Meaning history is written by the ones who did the most bombing? No, history is written by those who want it, a narrative to be told in the way they want it to be told, and it's not going to ah, include oh, anything yes. that's not going to have what they want. And yet, these stories have still managed to get their way into to many history books. That's what's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah, yeah. But they. But it's a bit. Oh, in, into history books. Okay, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. I haven't I read a history book that's included a a loan uh, <laughs> house. I don't what know. were you saying, Emery? I was going to say it's. It's a bit like watching the news, isn't it? Because you hear all the doom and gloom and all the bad stuff and all the things that are the powerful stuff, but you don't hear all those wonderful good stories mm. that are actually out there and happening. It's kind yeah. of what's fed to you by whom, isn't it? And you can find mm-hmm. these stories if you want to, if, if that's on your radar. I mean, personally, I don't like to watch the news. You mean it's you're not a member of the good, the good News newspaper <laughs> online? <laughs> there is I'm one, not. Actually. <laughs> I have seen, I have heard that, yeah. Mm. Don't get many subscribers. Yeah, you do, you do. <laughs> I don't know what that says about humanity, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I think we do know exactly what that says about humanity. They're not focused on the good news. It's very simple. It's very direct. <laughs> That's all right. That's why we do this at LOA today. We want to kind of counter everything a little bit. Because we need that counterbalance in life, don't you think? With the um, clarity, you can, you can work with it, yeah. We can, yeah. So just a reminder, no show Thursday or Friday. We will have shows on Tuesday and Wednesday. We have a special guest joining us tomorrow, because just as Anne-Marie decided to give a try here on Monday, we have Bridget D., another listener who's going to be joining us on Tuesday. So that's something to look forward to. And then, of course, it's Wendy and Jackie on Wednesday. Wendy, yeah, Cindy and Jackie on Wednesday. And they are just, that's like one of the most fun days of the week. So be sure you tune in for that. But in the meantime, I will thank you guys for your insights and your stories. Stories are the best part too. But I, I, Henry, I don't know if I made that clear. We we actually prefer stories <laughs> here on the show. So you know, just kind of save up your collection. You know, write them in your journal. You know, and then bring the journal with you. I will do. Stories. Yeah. It's here. All right, so you got it with you. That's good. <laughs> have journal, we'll travel. You're going to have to read it, though, Anne-Marie. <laughs> Fortunately, you get to pick what you're going to read, but nevertheless. <laughs> But yeah, bring the stories, and thanks for, for bringing the ones that you did, and keep bringing them, because those stories, they're wonderful. We love it. That's what, that's what makes all this stuff so much fun to study and to talk about, the stories, the stories that we're bringing them along. So, very good. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you to anybody who was tuning in the live stream. We did have a few people on the live stream. Thank you especially to our podcast listeners everywhere, and we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.